Now let us open our Bibles to our scripture reading found in Colossians. Colossians chapter 1, verse 20 to 23. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, establish and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. May God bless the reading from his holy word. Please take your seats. All right, brethren, we continue our series about the atonement of Christ. When you say atonement of Christ, theologically, we are talking about the suffering and death of our Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. That is our emphasis. It's an important doctrine of our faith, and a lot of Christians do not know the details about the atonement. And so today, we are going to talk about reconciliation. We're going to talk about reconciliation, reconciled through His blood. Now, I'd like to start with this famous story about the peace child. I'm sure you're familiar about this. There's a book and even a movie about this by Don Richardson. Now, this is the story of the missionary Don Richardson and his family who spent many years, many frustrating years with the Sawi tribe in New Guinea, Indonesia. So he's a missionary, went there and brought medicine, healed their sick, taught them how to wear dress. These are head-hunting people. And these Sawi tribe are always at war with other tribes. They are just uh, fighting, always, always savage people. And so... He wanted to bring the gospel to this tribe and somehow, you know, make them civilized people because they're always deceitful. And the problem is that the message and the values that, that Don is bringing is, is in contrast with the values of these people. In fact, the only thing that interests these people is about the betrayal of Judas. And they find him as the hero. That's, that's just their system. It's deception. It's always killing. It's always uh, deceiving others. And so, after many years of staying there, helping them, you know, Don and his wife, they decided with their three kids there, they decided, let's just go back to America. I mean, this is a failure. And so, he, he said his goodbyes to these people. But the people don't want them to go. I mean, they just love them. I mean, they were, they were blessed with the presence of this couple, of this family. They were helping them with their life. And so, in order for, for the tribe to, 
you know, to hold them from, from going back to the States, they made an elaborate ceremony. They say, all right, if, if you want to go back home, we want you to understand that we appreciated your presence here for many years. And so they had this elaborate ceremony or ritual. And what was this ritual? The chieftain of the Sawi tribe took their six-month-old baby, right? And offered this to the enemy, the Haman tribe. Now, the mother, of course, was crying, right? So, this was their ritual. We will give our, my own baby to you. Make this baby your own, meaning referring to the opposing tribe, the, the Haman tribe. Rename this baby, consider this your own, as long as this baby lives, our two tribes will remain peaceful. And at first, Don Richardson thought that this was just another way of their deception because again, he has come to the conclusion that this Sawi tribe, there's nothing good in them. But you know what? This actually made peace. And so, that gave Don Richardson, you know, an illustration to share. He told the whole tribe, you know what? What you're doing, this is what God did. Jesus, the Son of God, you know, was given up to His enemies so that there should be peace between God and man. And you know, God used that story. A lot of them became believers that even up to this very moment, the Sawi tribe are believers. In fact, in... In, in 1979, I think, they had the world record of the biggest, the biggest, uh, like uh, a temple made of, of straw, all right, built for, towards God. And that became their worship place, all right? And, and even years later, after 10 or 20 years, you know, Don Richardson, together with his son, who is already a pastor, visited the tribe, and that's where you can find uh, the colored picture there. The tribe are still believers, and when they were there, they were baptizing more Sawi tribe men. The peace child. And friends, that's what we are going to talk about this morning. That Jesus Christ reconciled us to the Father. Jesus is indeed the peace child. Now, let's recap, all right? In order for us to understand our lesson, remember, there are four consequences of sin upon humanity, okay? So that we would understand the death of Christ. The first one, because of our sin, we are in bondage to sin and to the kingdom of Satan, right? Number two, because of that, we have been separated. We are separated from God because of our sins. Third, we deserve to bear God's wrath against sin. And fourth, we deserve to die as the penalty for sin. And you know what, brethren? The good news, the good news is that the atonement of Christ solved all these problems. All those four problems 
Alright? And what we are studying in this series is to understand the atonement. The atonement, as I have said, is like a diamond. It has several facets. It's just one act, but then the Bible describes it in four different ways, four different analogies. All right? We already took up redemption. Remember? We are in bondage to sin, but then the atonement of Christ redeemed us from sin. That's why we call Jesus our Redeemer. All right? Now, our lesson today is about reconciliation. Okay, so we already understood redemption. Remember, Jesus' blood became the ransom. So the first way the Bible describes the atonement is that we were in bondage to sin, but then Jesus Christ ransomed us. That's why we call Him our Redeemer. Now, the second analogy in the Bible is that of reconciliation. Right? Remember, sin separated us from God. According to Isaiah 59 verse 2, but your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden His face from you so that He will not hear. Our sins separated us from God. But here's the good news. The atonement of Christ reconciled us to the Father. It's a story of reconciliation. Now, let us try to understand the word reconcile in the Bible. What does the Bible mean when it says reconcile? Now, the common word used in the Bible, particularly in the New Testament, is the word katalaso. All right? It means to change, to exchange. At first, it is actually a financial term, you know, especially of money, you know, to exchange or to change money. But then, if it is used to a person, it means to change from enmity to friendship, to reunite. Therefore, it has come to mean to mend a broken relationship. Okay, that's the word, to reconcile. When two parties are at war, all right, katalaso means to bring them to peace. Remember the Sawi tribe and the Haman tribe, all right? The peace child became the point of reconciliation, all right? And that's the word used by Paul in Romans 5.10. Notice Romans 5.10, For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to Him through the death of His Son, how much more having been reconciled shall we be saved through His life? So here we find that Paul is using another analogy, not anymore about redemption, about being in bondage and we need to be redeemed. But this time, another way of looking at our life is that because of sin, we have been separated from God. Right? We are not God's children anymore because of sin. Because we have become slaves to Satan, therefore, we were considered enemies. So every person in the world who are not yet born again, who is not yet born again, is not a child of God. Even if he claims to be a child of God, the only way for a person to become a child of God is through Jesus Christ. Remember John chapter 1? You know, that it is, you know, 
as we receive Him, as we believe Him, He gave us the right to become what? Children of God. Right? That's John chapter 1, verse 12. The only way we can become a child of God is when we believe and trust Jesus Christ and His accomplished work at the cross that we become a child of God. But then, friends, in our text, our main text is Colossians chapter 1. Paul is using a different word. All right? He is using a different word for reconciliation. It's the word apokatalaso. Can you see the difference? The other one is just katalaso. Here, there is a prefix. And I told you before, okay, that whenever a prefix is added to a word, it intensifies the word. All right? It intensifies the word. So, the meaning of apokatalaso, therefore, is what? To reconcile, notice this, completely, fully. That's the word that Paul used in Colossians. All right? Now, you might be asking, what's the difference? Why, pastor? All right? Why, why is Paul using this word? Now, in, in the other letters of Paul, when he was teaching them about reconciliation, he was just teaching them, you know, for their own maturity. But in, in, in the letter of Paul to the Colossians, this is different. Because here, Paul is fighting against false doctrines, false teachings. He is fighting against a group of people who who claim themselves Christians but say that, yes, Jesus is the Savior, but He's just one of the Saviors. Yes, Jesus can reconcile us, but Jesus is not enough. That is why the theme of Colossians is the supremacy of Christ. I don't know if you still remember, we studied this letter for, you know, a whole year. I don't know, maybe before the pandemic. Right? So this is a review. Alright? So in Colossians, Paul is dealing with false teachers that says, yes, Jesus is the Savior, but it's Jesus plus plus. But Paul's point is no. It's Jesus period. There is no other way. Now that's why when he talks about reconciliation through the death of Christ, he, he intensified the word that he used. He added the prefix apo. He, he's saying it is through Christ that we are completely and fully reconciled to the Father. You know, let me just give you a, a uh, you know, I, I tried to experiment how to do an animation using keynote. So, okay, forgive the, you know, the, the standard. All right. So this is God and man. Okay, that's God and man before Genesis chapter 3, before the fall. But then, because of sin, man was separated from God. So there is now enmity. There is now hostility. And we became what? Enemy of God. But you know, when Christ died on the cross, Jesus dealt with the sin. We are no longer hostile to God and we are reconciled 
completely. O, di ba? It took me five hours to do that. <laughs> Alright. Now, we go to reconciliation. So at least we now understand what is reconciliation. That's what Jesus did on the cross. When He died on the cross, He reconciled you and me. So let's go to the details. What, is, what are the five aspects of reconciliation according to Paul in Colossians? Alright. First one is the plan. Right? The plan of reconciliation. Notice verse 20. Right? Now, I did not read the whole passage, but this is the portion of the Scripture where the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the Son. He is the image of the invisible God. He is supreme over all creation. Alright? And then, he says in verse 20, and through Him, notice this, to reconcile to Himself all things. All right, I want you to just focus on that phrase, to reconcile to Himself all things. Now, take note of the pronouns. All right? Because there's Him and Himself. Those are two persons. All right? And through Him, that's Christ. To reconcile to Himself, that is God, all things. That's the plan of God. Why is it the plan of God, Pastor? You know what? Because when sin entered in the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 3, it wasn't just Adam and Eve that fell. It wasn't just Adam and Eve that became corrupt. You know what happened? The rest of the universe got corrupted. The rest of the universe. And you know the second law of thermodynamics, right? Oh, very deep, Pastor. Entropy. What is that? What is that? Kisa may mga physicists or, alright? What is the law of entropy? The law of entropy states that everything in the universe is going back to chaos. In other words, if you don't do anything, everything in this world will corrupt will be destroyed, will wear out. Now, what do you think? Why do you think that's happening? See? Of course, the scientists, they're trying to their best to understand why is it that stars, in fact, when you look at the skies now, some of the stars that you see are already what? Long dead. It's only the lights that we see, but when we go back, hundreds and thousands of light years away, these stars are dead. Why? Because of the law of entropy. Everything in the universe is coming to an end. See? Why? Because that's the result of sin. Sin destroyed everything. Remember, when God created everything in Genesis chapter 1, God says everything was good until sin entered, death entered, to the universe. In other words, if, if, if you come to think, if there was no sin and Satan did not rebel, what would be the destiny of the world? Death doesn't exist. Everything will stay as they are because God created them to be good until sin entered and everything got mixed up. Alright? The good, the good 
things that God created, they become wild. And so we have viruses, we have cancer, we have storms, we have earthquakes. All these things are manifestations of the law of entropy. But here's the plan of God. Through Him, to reconcile to Himself all things. In other words, brethren, God is looking forward to renewing all things. But what is the, the center point? What is the, the means in order for all things to be reconciled back to God? Because when sin entered, everything got corrupted with sin, and so everything became part of sin. And, and, and Paul is, is writing in Romans 8. Notice this, Romans 8, 19 down. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. All right? Waiting. What, what is, when is this child of God to be revealed? This is going to happen during our glorification. When we will all be resurrected with glorified bodies, because along with us, the world will also be changed. So even creation is waiting. So dili na Christians nagwait sa rapture. Even the whole creation is waiting in eager expectation. For the creation, notice this, was subjected to frustration. Not by its own choice, see? But by the will of the one who subjected it. See? God cursed. Remember, after Adam and Eve, the rest of creation was cursed because of sin. Now, look at this in verse 21. In hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay. See? So there is science in the Bible. Paul may not know physics, but Paul knew that the rest of the universe, creation will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into freedom and glory of the children of God. Verse 22, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to this present time. And friends, you can already imagine the groaning of the earth with all the deaths because of calamities, earthquakes happening. See? It's not just in Turkey and Syria, in, in uh, Davao de Oro, right here in the Philippines. See? The world is really groaning. The, the earth is groaning because the sin of mankind is growing. See? More and more people. And, and you know what? It's like sometimes we think that people will change with all these calamities. Just read Revelation. Even with all the calamities happening to the earth, the Bible tells us that the wicked and the unbelieving people will still continue in their rebellion against God. It's like people will not change even with all these calamities happening. Now, friends, the plan of God is to reconcile all things to Himself. And, and John, the beloved, gives us a glimpse. Look at Revelation 21. Look at the end of the book. See, if, if you're frustrated about what's happening in the earth, just look at the end of the story and you will find the ending. What's the ending? Then I saw a new heaven and new earth 
for the first heaven and first earth had passed away. You see that? God has a plan of reconciling, and the first step to that plan is the death of Christ. When Jesus died on the cross, friends, some people thought that when Jesus died on the cross, the demons and Satan, you know, rejoice. Yes, the, the Savior is dead. But actually, it's the opposite. According to Paul, according to the Bible, when Jesus died on the cross, demons trembled. You know why? Because that began the reconciling process of God. See? He reconciles all things through His death on the cross. So when Jesus died on the cross, when Jesus says, it is finished, the process towards reconciliation began. And the first set of things to be reconciled back to us, to God, is us. First, He has to reconcile His elect to Himself, and then the world, the universe, will follow. So, the universe is also waiting. Amen? If you are waiting for the great coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, the universe is also waiting. Now, let's go to the second. The process. Alright? The process of reconciliation. This answers the question, how? How is God going to do this great plan of Him. Remember, the great plan is to reconcile this decaying, destroying world back to Himself. How is God going to do that? Again, you find that in verse 20. Notice this, and through Him, again, who is the Him there? Jesus Christ. And through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, okay, both you know, the universe, both animals, all things. The virus that are gone crazy right now, they are gone crazy because they are still affected of sin. But one of these days, brethren, these viruses will no longer be, you know, a threat to us. Who knows? In the new heaven and new earth, this virus would even make us more beautiful. Diba? We need more virus. But now, these virus are enemies. They're killing us. But this is the effect of the fall. Can you just imagine when God will reconcile all things to Himself? They will bring good to mankind, see? As God's original creation. Notice this. Whether things on earth or things in the heavens. So friends, this reconciliation of all things is not just, you know, here on earth. The heavens there, that speaks of the universe. See? And again, what's the process? By His, or by making peace through His blood shed on the cross. So can you just imagine history? Can you just imagine the history? You know, Christ's act of the cross doesn't just change history of mankind. It changes the history of the universe because God is reconciling not just the earth but the heavens, you know, by making peace through His blood shed on the cross. That is why in, in Romans 5, 1, and we love to sing this song, Therefore, 
being justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You know that song? It's a nice song, but the title is not nice. Chiwi Chiwi. It's a very nice song. It's, it's taken from Romans chapter 5, verse 1. That through our Lord Jesus Christ, take note, we have peace with God. No longer enemies. That's the process. The process of reconciling humanity back to our Maker is through the death of Christ. And no wonder any Christian church will always have the cross at the center. See? We want the cross. We want when people enter the church, we want the cross. In, in fact, let's to give you some background. You know, it took us a while, you know, asagining cross, it took ibabaw. But you know why it's, it's there? It's, it's really calculated so that the last person sitting in, in, that, in that row there, when you are seated, you can actually just see the whole cross. Because at first, kumulingkod ka kotong taas pa na siya, Ang mo makita, anara. See? What's that? Okay, Alan, can you see the whole cross from here? See? That's the intention. Because in our church, the center point is Christ. His death on the cross. But maybe some Catholics are here this morning. But pastor, morang dili kompito. Wala may Jesus sa inyong cross. Amo, lagi pastor na. Well, the Jesus, our Jesus rose from the grave. <laughs> the Jesus in our church did not remain dead. <laughs> to have a Jesus on that cross is a reminder to the world, your Savior is still on the cross. But our story is that our cross is Christless because our lives are full of Christ. Amen? See? Our lives are full of Christ because our Christ made it. See, he did not remain dead. Alright? Colossians 1.20 again, it is through his blood shed on the cross. Alright? Now, I already explained last Sunday why blood. Remember? You asked, why blood? Why blood? Remember? Leviticus 17.11 Life is in the blood. The demand for sin is life, and so the payment is life. And so it's important that Jesus shed his blood. That is why it's important that Jesus has to become man. Because if Jesus did not become man, he cannot shed blood. Because God has no blood. That's why the incarnation is significant. But later on, look at verse 22. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death. Oh, this time, it's not just blood. <laughs> Alright? Blood in verse 20. In verse 22, He has reconciled us by Christ's physical body. So next question is, why body? Why? I thought it's just blood. Okay? If it's just blood, then Christ could just have shed blood and that He doesn't have to die. But why is it that He has to die physically? Why blood and body. Here's the answer. Hebrews 9.22 Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. 
And secondly, in Romans 7, 5, Paul says, While we were living in flesh, our sinful passions arose by the law, were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. In other words, friends, why should Jesus die physical death? Because He has to reverse the effect of death. Friends, where does sin dwell? In the flesh. Can you please touch your flesh? Come on, touch your flesh. All right. So you are still alive because you, are, you have flesh. Friends, here's the point of Paul. As long as you and I are still in our flesh, sin will still be there. See? Jesus already, listen, when Jesus died on the cross, Jesus already solved the penalty of sin. He died. Jesus solved the power of sin. That's why you and I are no longer slaves to sin. But there is still one P, presence of sin. That we need to deal every day. See? That's why Jesus had to die. That's why Paul says in verse 18, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. See, that's what the Bible declares. You think you are good? Paul says, nothing good dwells in my flesh. That is why I have to die one day so that I get rid of this body. All right? And then God will give me a new body. Paul then concluded in verse 24, What a wretched man that I am who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death. See, he's talking about the flesh. And the answer, Paul answered himself, Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen? That is why Jesus has to shed blood and die in the body. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of a sinful flesh to be a sin offering. See? Jesus has to die because the persons that He needs to reconcile are flesh and blood. Therefore, He has to die flesh and blood. And friends, by the way, that's why we have the communion. So what do we symbolize in the communion? Body and blood. Now you understand. Every time we do the communion, we are actually remembering the atonement of Christ. See? The body and the blood. Alright? All this is from God who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Friends, that's the process of reconciliation. How you and I and the whole universe be reconciled to the Father, it is through the death of Christ, the shedding of His blood and His physical body. And now let's go to the third aspect, the predicament of reconciliation. Right? Basically, answering the question, why do we need to be reconciled? This should be part one, right? But I'm just following through the chronological order of the text. Now, look at verse 21. Notice the tense. What's the tense? Past tense. Once you were alienated, once you were enemies in your mind because of your evil behavior. 
Friends, this is the predicament of mankind. Why do we need Jesus to reconcile us to the Father? Because of three words that Paul used. Three words to describe our predicament. We are estranged from God. That's the word. Apollo o is the Greek word. It means we are what? We are separated. We are excluded. See? Because of sin, we are estranged from God. Our relationship is estranged from God. Isaiah 1, 1. Or this, this, I think this is not Isaiah 1, 1. Can you please check? I'm sure that's not Isaiah 1, 1. All right? It should be 1, I think, 16. Can you please check? They have forsaken the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel. They are utterly estranged. See? That's who we are. That's our predicament. See? So when you, when you say, Our Father who art in heaven, and you are not yet born again, you are not calling God as your Father. Another Father will answer you. Satan will answer you. What is it, my son? Remember, God is not your father unless you are born again. And so when an unbeliever says, our father, it's not God that will listen. Remember, we are separated because of our sin and God doesn't hear. So be careful which father you are calling. When you pray the our father, make sure that you are born again. Make sure that you are a child of God. Ephesians 4.18, they are darkened in their understanding. Notice the next word, separated from the light of God. Friends, that's the predicament of every human being who is not yet a believer, who is not yet a follower of Christ. You are living your life divulged, no? No? Removed from the life of God. There's no life of God in you. You're just like a zombie. You're a walking dead. You're just waiting for your heart to stop beating. And then you're dead. Only born again people are literally alive. See? Separated from the life of God. Next, the next word that describes our predicament. We are enemies of God. See? A lot of people in the world today, you know, they live as enemies. And then when they need help, that's the time they become friends with God. They go to church because, you know, board exam is coming. Ah, I need to be friends with God. Okay? And then, nakapasar sila. Enemies of God put friends with the world. I hope that's not the case, in, you know, with the people who passed here. Okay? Oh yeah, Mona, diba? You know that. I mean, that's the case. You know, a lot of these students, when it's board exam, mga to na sa Simala, mga to, mga to nagbanga pilgrimage site. Pero after nakapasar, oh, nakalimot na po sa ginoo. <laughs> Notice Romans 5.10, For if while we were God's enemies. We were reconciled through Him through the death of His Son. Friends, the Bible calls sinners enemies of God. James 4.4 4, You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? 
Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Brethren, listen, if you're born again, if you're part of the church, remember the, the word church as described by Pastor Ken yesterday? Ecclesia. Ek, out, out from. We are taken out of the world. Why? Because before, we were enemies of God. Therefore, when you call yourself a believer, don't be a worldly believer. <laughs> See? Don't follow the ways of the world. You're a Christian. If you choose to always follow the, the, the ways of the world, the, the values of the world, the styles of the world, guess what the Bible says? You are an enemy of God. See? Because God is against, okay? Not everything in the world is bad, of course. But I'm talking about the value system, the selfishness, the materialism, you know, the wickedness, the immorality in the world, that is enmity before God. Hebrews 10, 26, if we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, notice this, no sacrifice for sin is left, but only a fearful expectation of the judgment of a raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. So, are we saying that there's no wrath of God in the Bible? That God is not a raging fire? Oh no, it's in the New Testament. If we keep on sinning, that's what, that's what the writer of Hebrews is saying here. Let me repeat that. Verse 26, if we deliberately keep on sinning after, listen, we have received the knowledge of the truth. So, this is not talking about ignorant people. This is talking about you and me. We know about these things, and yet we still live that lifestyle even if we know it's wrong. You know what's, what the Bible is saying? You're only expecting judgment of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Third word that describes our predicament, evil. We are evil. You know, 1 Peter 3.12, the eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right and His ears are open to their prayers, but the Lord turns His face against those who do evil. Friends, if you want God's favor according to this promise, if you want God to answer your prayers, if you want God's ears to be open to yours, then please do what's right. That's what this verse says. The eyes of the Lord is so interested. His focus to whom? To those who do what is right. Don't do evil because evil things will make His face shine from you. Alright? But now, the good news, even though we were estranged from God, we were enemies of God, and what's the third? We were evil before God. The good news is this. He has reconciled us through Christ's physical body through death. Now, that leads us to the purpose, all right? Purpose. Are you still with me? All right. Or you're already dreaming? All right. The purpose. What's the purpose? Why, why will, will God 
reconcile all things. Why will God reconcile me to Himself? What is His goal? Look at verse 22. But now He has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death. And here's the purpose. To present you holy in His sight without blemish and free from accusation. Alright? That's the purpose. If God is going to reconcile you and me to Himself, friends, listen. He is holy. We cannot remain sinful and be reconciled to Him. Diba? Remember, there was this party that Jesus, you know, uh, told us a, a story about this banquet. Alright? And everyone was invited. And a lot of people declined. You know, the, the, the first class people declined. And then, and then the master says, okay, go to the street, the beggars, you know, gather them. Gather them to my party. So they were all welcome to his party. But then there was this one man, a beggar, who was not dressed properly. You should have asked because God will provide you the clothing. In other words, brethren, the point of that story, the banquet there is about Jesus Christ inviting everyone to himself. But the point is this, if we come to God, we have to come dressed well, fit for the king. And what's the, what's the clothing there symbolized? What's clothing symbolized in the Bible? It's righteousness. See? See, we cannot be reconciled with God and then remain as we are. No, we have to be changed. That is why you cannot call yourself a born-again believer and still cling on to your immoral lifestyle and say, you know what? It doesn't matter my lifestyle. I love Jesus. Yes, you love Jesus, but does, Jesus doesn't love your lifestyle. No matter how you claim. See? see that's, that's what some people do. They go to church every day. They, they light up candles. Because they love Jesus, but then they know and they know in their conscience, I'm having a lifestyle that is not, you know, that is not under, you know, the obedience of Christ's commands. And you try to bribe Jesus with so many things, but you cannot do that. All right, three words describe our future position. Okay, I don't have to explain this. Holy, you know what's holy? It means pure separated question are you pursuing a holy life i'm not saying that you are perfectly holy none of us none of us all right but is there a desire that's the point see is there a desire are you are you meticulously trying to avoid things sin holiness second unblemished it means without spot see are you trying to live that kind of life? Kana bang, uy, maningkamot jugo nga wa silay masultin ako. See, kana ba? I'm not saying that you have to be perfect. We are not perfect, but are you, do you have this intention nga if possible, wala untay makita nga buling sa akong life? And then third, blameless. It literally means free from accusation. In other words, our goal is this, if your name, if somebody, you know, drops your name, 
Are you free from accusation? Like, misulti silag, okay. Selso kanama. Mga na din mga tao. Niyos kaya selso ako na po tripingang Pastor Maki. Okay? Kuya Celso, ikaw may ako nakitang gwapo dito sa tubangan. So, mga tao, unsay masulti ni mo. Dapat ang mga tao, mga nagyot nga, mga gwa, mangyot ko yung masulti nga bad. Ah, di ba? Dili kay inigsultis ni mo. Inigsultis ni mo nga, di ba? Name drop sa mo nga. Adagan kay masulti ni tao. Akanasya, ngilad mo nagbatasan. Oh, di ba? Dili, no? It means, you you pursue a life that is free from accusation. That when somebody mentions your name, it's not that you're perfect, but they could not think of something against you. See? That's the purpose why we have to be reconciled. Because we cannot become a child of God and still look like the devil. Diba? Mahalang ginunga, ang anghel matong anak, anong sungayan makadung? Diba? Basing niliwat kasi mong silingan. If, you're, if you want to be a child of God, then please start acting like one. Amen? That's the goal. And friends, question, Pastor, how can I be holy? How can I be, you know, unblemished? Look at what St. Paul says. Ephesians 5, 25 to 27. Christ loved the church, gave himself up for her. Notice this to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water. And what's the means? Through the Word. Friends, this is the reason why we have long sermons in Bradford Church. <laughs> this is the reason why, why there's so many verses. You know, somebody asked me, Pastor, why, why you have so many verses in, in other churches? Like, Pastor, one verse lang. I mentioned lang sa ending sa sermon. Well, we know because the Word is the main agent of God to make us holy. See? Unsa may makapaigo ni mo? Mga storya? Jokes? No. It's the Word of God. And when we read the Word of God, when we're confronted the Word of God, notice the result. And to present her to Himself as a radiant church. Take note. Without stain, wrinkle, or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. See, that's the goal. That's the purpose of reconciliation. Jesus died on the cross. Dili lang kay Jesus died on the cross so that I will not go to hell. See, a lot of people, they love Jesus because they don't want to go to hell, but they don't want to be holy. See, and you cannot take one without the other. You cannot go to heaven without preparing your life meant for heaven. A lot of people today are not willing to live a life of heaven. They just want to live there because they don't want in hell. See? A lot of people today, they simply want Jesus because they don't want hell. No. You need to want Jesus because you want to be with Him. Hell, ex escaping hell is not, is not the very cause of Jesus' death. See? It's just one. But the, the main purpose why Jesus died on the cross so that you and I can live with Him forever. See? And our life here on earth is already a practice. Amen? So please practice being a child of God. Diba? So that kung kasabaan ka, diba? Kasuway ka nang sa una, kasabaan kis mamanga. 
Anak juga sa hudas. Diba? Oh, anak juga sa yawa. Diba? Karun, dili na. Anak ka sa ginoo. Alright? You're a child of God. Amen? And so live like one. And now finally, number five. The proof of reconciliation. The proof. How do I know that I am reconciled? Notice verse 23. There's the condition. If. If you notice this, if, if you go back to the text, go back to the text, verse 20-21, all so far, it's reconciled, 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 past tense. But then, towards 23, there is a condition. If. Another point, point of Paul is this, you're actually reconciled to Christ if, indeed, you continue in the faith, you are stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard. Now, let me just summarize this if statement here. Four words to describe our present practice. How do I know? What is, my, what is the proof according to Paul that I am really reconciled to God? You stay in the faith. See? You stay in the faith. I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. I pray the sinner's praise, and then you don't go to church. You don't have Bible study. And then you claim you're a Christian. See? No. That's not the proof. The proof is staying in the faith. You continue. Remember what Jesus says? If you abide in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. See? It's daily abiding. In other words, until the moment you die, you stay in the faith. Second, stable in the word. Stable. That's the word there. Temelio. It's, it means grounded, firm. See? You're firm in His word. See? Third, steadfast in the word. Right? Steadfast. The word there means settled, established. Remember what Paul said in in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Are you steadfast in the work of the Lord? That's why you need to be part of our work. So volunteer now in the walkthrough so that you will have a proof. Lord, it's reconciled na ko, Lord. I'm serving. See? One of the proof. You're steadfast in the work. And then number four, very important, you are secure in the gospel. Secure in the gospel. Paul is saying, you are not shifting. verse? Not shifting from the hope of the gospel. In other words, you're secure. You know the gospel. You know that there's only one gospel, and that gospel is Jesus Christ who died on the cross for my sins. You're secure in that. Brethren, I hope that this four is evident in your life, in my life. Amen? Am I staying in the faith? Am I stable in the word? Am I steadfast in the work? Am I secure in the gospel? And let me close with this. We are reconciled to God. All this is from God. Amen? There is nothing that you have to do because reconciliation is a finished work. All this from God who reconciled us to Himself through Christ. But then, here's our part. He gave us a ministry of reconciliation. Do you have 
family members who are not yet rec reconciled to God. Or perhaps, maybe you have some broken relationship with a friend, with your, you know, spouse, or maybe a family. Perhaps you have broken relationships with a brother or sister, a parent. Whatever it is, brethren, the Bible says, God gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Be reconciled to that someone. See? It's so hard for us to proclaim a message of reconciliation when you have a broken relationship with another human being. See? It's like they would say, how will, how will you tell me to be reconciled to God? You are having a not having a reconciliation with a human being. Friends, our reconciliation with God should affect our reconciliation with others. God has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Be reconciled and help us reconcile the world to God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. All this is from you, Lord. Thank you that that's your passion. You lost us with sin, but then it was you who planned our reconciliation. It was not even us reaching out to you. It was you sending Jesus to us. How great you are, Father. How awesome is your love. How great is your mercy. How amazing is your grace that you reconciled us to yourself. Father, there's still so many people out there living as enemies of God, estranged from your divine life. Help us, Lord, to reach out to them. Help us, Lord, to become channels of your reconciling love so that through us they may know Jesus Christ died on the cross for their sins and perhaps Lord maybe some people here this morning maybe you are here this morning you are not yet reconciled to God you might be asking pastor how can I be reconciled to the father the Bible says believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved receive Jesus Christ today welcome him in your life and you will be reconciled to the father in Jesus' name, amen.